Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to Finding Balance. Uh, I'm Tom Ford, and my guest today is Todd Harity. Todd is the number one in the USA. He's had a highest world ranking of 45, uh, a graduate of Princeton University in psychology, uh, born and raised in Pennsylvania, but now lives in Bristol. Todd, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Good. Uh, so, I mean, you've been in Bristol now for for a year now. You know, um, how, how does it feel? Yeah, it's great. I arrived in November of last year, and um, it feels more and more like home now, actually. It's funny. I even forget that I'm a, a foreigner, really. I just, mm-hmm. I've just been here for a while. I love Bristol. I like British humor. I like um, the people I've met here are good friends, and so... Every once in a while, it's a situation or whatever that comes up, and I forget that I'm actually not a, <laughs> not from this country. Yeah, it it it's really cool, like to see um, just I guess how many people are coming to Bristol now, but like particularly yourself, just because we've spent a lot of time together, and I've tried to show you around the city and um, see as much as you can. It, it really feels like you're a part of the 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 team or the group of people here, you know, like someone yeah. that I associate with. <clears throat> with being in Bristol now um so how like how does it compare to to the states and, and back home um well I mean obviously the United States is a massive country and um but I like Bristol here because it's more laid back I think more free um Bristol is kind of a very liberal, uh, rebellious little city, I think, um, kind of hipster. And I, I'm really enjoying that. It's full of kind of, you know, cafes and cool little trendy places to go to. And um, so that I like, and that's different than, you know, where I'm from in mm-hmm. outside Philadelphia. Squash-wise as well, I think uh, I feel a bit more free and open here, Um, less judgmental. I think that's, I mean, a little bit of Bristol and its culture, but also I think just the squash community that's here and, um, you know, Hadrian Stiff is the coach and kind of the culture that he's helped foster amongst us um, also contributes to 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 that as well Hmm. so um so yeah it is different to the to the states um in in a good way i think cool and 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 is that like a a change or something that you expected coming here and and is you know you mentioned the sort of liberalism and it feels free and and you like the cafes and, and that kind of stuff is that like a part of you that you it became more expressed when you came here or what happened regarding that yeah totally um yeah absolutely i it's kind of a funny story i um i kind of wanted i had been wanting to leave philadelphia for uh quite some time actually mm. and wasn't able to find a good place really just uh, we kind of did some research and i did with different places in england and around the world that would be good places for my squash for my training and also where I'd kind of be happy and enjoy myself and 
uh, it took a long time. I actually didn't really know much about Bristol um, or Hadrian, really, a couple years ago. Hmm. Um, and so I was actually... I. Uh, got together with two other squash players, Sean Conroy and Lance Beddoes, and the three of us were uh, thinking about moving to um, to Holland, actually, to Amsterdam, or to, to Den Haag, The Hague, and that was the plan. Um, and there was a good training group there. It was Cameron Pilly and Lawrence Anjuma. And then all of a sudden, um, the whole thing just kind of fell apart. It was, I think, the same summer it was that LJ retired, and... <laughs> Uh, Cameron Pilly was moving to Denmark, or I think moving with his and with his wife, and had different plans. And then the other players that were there were thinking of moving. I think Peter Creed and other people. Um, so then it, I don't know. It was then much less attractive. And then so Sean just said, "Well, you know, you guys do what you want. I'm going to move to Bristol." <laughs> and so then I just looked into it and called Hadrian, had a little read and did some research on his website and stuff and then Skyped with him on the phone and just really liked him, got on well, liked mm-hmm. his kind of whole philosophy and approach to squash. And that's, um, so then I came here kind of by accident, but. Hmm. I remember, I remember we, we spoke a little bit about it when, when we were playing a tournament in Paris. I, yeah. I don't know how kind the of. spring before. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so maybe, maybe talk a bit more about, um, Hadrian's like philosophy and um what it what it was specifically that I mean drew you to it and 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 then maybe how that's evolved you know the more you've been here and the more you've worked with him yeah totally um well Hadrian is uh from our even the just that first Skype conversation he has kind of a more holistic and just creative and free style of coaching. I don't think he's a coach that, you know, you can tell, oh, this player works with Hadrian and this player works with Hadrian by the way they hit the ball. He doesn't really have a signature technique or any kind of cookie cutter formula that, you know, Mm -hmm. someone's gonna try and mold and fit into. I think he's very much tries to bring whatever player he's working with their kind of natural style and talents out of them and just talking with him i I think the players that i kind of admire were the same as the ones that he admires um just the more kind of free hitting sort of you know we talk about the egyptians or um kind of being you know creative and unconventional and all these sorts of things and he was kind of, you know, this is the modern game now and, uh, you know, there's no point anymore in kind of getting on and just doing hours and hours and hours of the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be, you know, dynamic and creative and not think too much, kind of let it all flow right out of you. And that's what really drew me to him because that's kind of what I really admired in other players and something that I felt I was lacking a bit and was interested in exploring. And, um, and to be honest, like squash has never been so much fun and exciting for me as, as it is now. So that's fantastic. And I think there's a big, uh, correlation between having fun and, uh, creativity. Um, cause totally. it, and, and, and I think that's something that Hadrian does a, a fantastic job of, um, 
emphasizing you know, the importance of that. It's very refreshing. And I think, and I, I hope that that's, that's definitely a way that coaching is going to be going. But I think at the moment, he's very much a, a leader in that, in that sense. You know, like it's not, it's not a very common philosophy at the moment, um, but a, an enormously effective one. Yeah. Yeah. And he does really well. And this kind of emphasis on sort of kind of fun and enjoyment and, you know, nailing down kind of the purposes of why you're playing and you just want to kind of be the best that you can be. And, um, it just makes training and everything so much more bearable and exciting, um, just to kind of have that, uh, kind of mindset. So, um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it and it's, yeah, it's been great. Hmm. So, um, you know, you said this is very much like a, it's a new thing. It's something that you sought out. Um, so let, let's talk more about kind of your earlier influences and your early life as a, um, well, as a person but, and, and how sure, you kind yeah. of got, got, <laughs> got into squash. And, um, I mean, certainly now, I mean, there, there's an abundance of coaches in, in the U.S. And, and I think there's, there's a lot of coaching. But, um, what, what was it like when, when you started and, and, how did that kind of uh, initiation into squash begin? Well, I've been playing probably since I was, honestly, probably since I was three or four years oh, old. Really? Uh, we oh. belonged to a club, a squash club, kind of country club at home, the Marion Cricket Club outside Philadelphia. And my parents played. And even when I was that young, they would go and they'd have their games and I would just go by myself on a side court. Mm-hmm. And... And just hit on my own. And then when I was, you know, five, six, seven, I was already kind of going to clinics and taking some lessons and going to squash camps. Or I played other sports too. Okay. Um, what, what kind of sports? Well, I played tennis. I played a lot of tennis growing up. But when I was little, I played everything actually compared to like some other players. Or I really didn't specialize in squash that young. I played, I mean, I played soccer or football, as you call it here, <laughs> um, baseball, basketball. And then even when I was in high school, so when I was, you know, 14 to 18, I was still, I played squash for school in the winter, but I also ran cross country in the fall and played tennis in the spring. So yeah, I did all of, all of that. And what, what was the, what was the coaching that you experienced or had like there? Um, I had a few different coaches at um at the Marion Cricket Club who coached me, and then when I played in tournaments, they'd come and coach me in tournaments. Um, even when I was really young, uh, Jamie Hickox, Hickox in English as okay. well, yeah, English and Canadian, not Hickox, Canada now, not Hickox, <laughs> yeah. no Hickox, okay. and then Scott Devoy um, is a Kiwi who he's still at the Cricket Club now. Um, he's uh, runs the squash program there. And he coached me for ages as well, like okay. since I was, you know, I don't know, 11, 12. And uh, I, I, I guess back then, like squash was, was relatively new in, in the States. So um, mm. I don't know, I, I, I just have this image of, I don't know whether this is wrong or not, but um, did was there many players to play with or, or were you just predominantly getting coached? I mean, what, yeah. what, was, what was your relationship with squash like then well i do think my relationship with squash became kind of unhealthy pretty quickly i would say um 
And I think still now, I think in America, there's, there's too much overcoaching. Uh, I think young kids are getting overcoached. And I think now the much more effective way is just to go and you're young, just play and have fun, enjoy it. And I think, you know, too much coaching and technique and everything. Um, maybe there needs to be a little bit, but I think too much too young, I don't know, can zap the fun out of it. And I think you know, growing up through the juniors, I, I there wasn't a whole lot of, I think, maybe camaraderie amongst us you know, me and kind of my other competitors and everything growing up. And, you know, looking back, I wish that kind of we had trained together, practiced together more. Okay. Um, but there was competition, you know, like yeah. you, there, there were, there were players that were, were challenging you. And, mm. um, yeah, as I said, I just kind of have this image of you. Uh, I don't know. don't want to do any <laughs> misjustice to, no, <laughs> any, any, to, no, not to you, but like to, to anyone else that was playing around your time. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just see you just kind of being coached and, and it's, it's so important, you know, to just, to, to not kind of make people reliant too early. You know, mm. I think that's one of the things that coaching can do is the more coached you become, the, the, harder it is to to breed creativity within yourself and, and figure things out yourself and I think that's that's always the balance that that you have to find is I think coaching is important I think coaching of the fundamentals is, is important but um that there, 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 there needs to be free reign too I think that's exactly right I totally I think over coaching it kind of it breaks down your trust in your own voice a little bit right. and um I, to be honest, I even, it was kind of bred into me so much that I really struggled with that when I first went pro right. It's because I was kind of looking around at, you know, what, what coach can I have? Who's the best coach to teach me how to play, to teach mm. me how to be good at this game? And, you know, where's the kind of textbook formula and the coach that I can go and that's mm. going to kind of put it all together for me. And mm. now I kind of realize, well, no, you kind of need to trust yourself and you need to make your own decisions a bit. And, you know, if something feels good on court and it's working well, it's effective, it's natural to you. Don't let anyone tell you that it's wrong or that, mm. um, you know, it, it doesn't work, uh, you know, to a certain extent and within reason. Um, so yeah, that was something that I've been, I think kind of working to acquire more over, uh, the past, you know, year and a half. Mm. So what, what would you say the most important thing to focus on is for, for somebody who's still serious about playing, but I think just say within the juniors, um, or, or, or maybe what would you have done, you know, then, you know, if you, if you, if you could go back with the knowledge that you have now. Right. Well, I think in the States it's a little bit unhealthy because I think a lot of juniors are playing squash uh as a ticket into an, an ivy league school or an elite yep. school and i think that gets really unhealthy and it's just it's so I, it's kind of hard to see this culture developing and you know certain players just you know who will families that will just pay ridiculous amounts of money for a you know the new hot coach or whoever it is that's um 
trendy and is in town and it's gonna you know teach the kid to be a superstar and you know the the goal is i think kind of playing squash for the wrong reasons it's a means to an end and it's to get into the right um the school that they want to go to and i was very much a part of that and i really struggled with that and you know now it's you know maybe it's even worse now i don't know but um I think it's it's a formula that will uh, it's going to crack at some point um for everyone and it mm. certainly did for me and I think you know you need to have a good purpose for why you're playing so you know I think growing up I wish I had had the advice that um you know it's okay to fail mm. failing is an important part of the learning process and how you deal with failure is um is really important and i actually think all the success i had growing up in as a junior which i mean it was stunning but i think mm. it ultimately really slowed me down because mm. um i just kind of wasn't good at sort of dealing with failure and it became too much a part of my identity my relationship with you know squash and everything and mm. that uh it ended up being a big problem i think when i first went pro so um i don't know i think i wish i sort of had someone that had kind of told me more growing up that it's okay to lose mm. this is all part of the learning process and the emphasis should be on improving yeah. Just every time you walk on the court, when you step off the court, try and be a better player than you were an hour ago when you stepped on the court. Every match you play is an opportunity to like learn and improve and stop having this, you know, kind of over and really stressful emphasis on the results and, you know, the titles and then, you know, the college admissions acceptances. And so that part of it, I you know, looking back, I wish had been different. Hmm. So you, you mentioned you, you achieved a lot of, a lot of success early on. What were, what was the kind of response around you? I think you've kind of alluded to it a little bit already, but I mean, um, I'm, I'm interested to know in like a bit more depth, like was, was a, was a career in squash like conceivable at that time or, or was it very much um, to get into a college? Well, I think looking back, I think naturally I really did love squat. I mean, I played as a three-year-old. I loved just hitting mm. the ball against the wall. And it was, I mean, you were probably the same way. We all were. I mean, we all just loved to play. And mm. it was a game and it was fun. And then along the way, that gets sort of choked and strangled out of me a little bit. And then it then becomes something else, I think. And then it was... I think kind of overemphasis on winning and rankings and, you know, and, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, figuring out what it's all about and you lose and kind of the adults and coaches and parent, like whoever it is around you is then all of a sudden all disgruntled. Mm -hmm. I think you quickly form that um, idea that, you know, losing is failure and failure is, you know, not worthy of, is bad and not worthy of respect. And it's a knock on me and everything. And, um, yeah. Uh, so that part, I kind of forgot. What was your, what was the question again? Was a career in squash conceivable at that time? You know, so, so you, you said, you said, no, it's, it's fine. You, you said 
you said there was pressure. Yeah. But was was the pressure um, coming in in a sense of you know you're good and, and I, I guess was the goal or the outcome to get into college or was it to you know you could be a pro here? Yeah, no, it was definitely to get into college and not to be a pro. Um, yeah, uh, becoming a professional squash player is a very unusual uh, thing for an American to do. Mm. Um, so I always, <laughs> I always find it funny when people kind of say, oh, why are the Americans so bad at squash? Why do we not have anyone crushing it on the pro tour? It's just like, well, I mean, so few of us have tried. I mean, there's right. only been such a small handful of us that have even given it a go. And yeah. being a, a professional point, squash yeah. player is not something that is, you know, encouraged or kind of put in your mindset when you're young and something that motivates you. Mm-hmm. I really didn't even know that much about professional squash or the pro tour until I was until I was much older. Right. Um, yeah. Even in college, even I like going into college. I think a lot of people here go into uni with the idea that they'll go pro when they're finished and they go through their three years of uni here and at home it's four years um, with a big emphasis on squash and that they'll go pro afterwards. Whereas for me, I, I mean, I didn't even know that I kind of wanted to go pro or that that was what I was going to do until like towards the end of university. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, You've kind of gone through the junior ranks. You've achieved a lot of success. Um, and you decide to go to Princeton. So what what were the reasons behind that? I, I assume that from what you'd achieved, you had the choice of where to go. Why there? Yeah, I think also I would say at that time, I don't think I was the best at making my own decisions. I think... Um, okay. I think I was very influenced by the people that were around me. But, you know, it was a good decision. I I went there because, well, for one, I was at the time I was really excited to have these options, you know, to be able to go to, you know, Harvard or Princeton or whatever was, um, you know, it was a big deal. And I remember getting those acceptances and just being ecstatic. Hmm. Like, oh, I've and made it. And it is, and it's like, an incredible achievement. an incredible yeah. thing, yeah. Um and Princeton at the time was uh, it was much smaller than Harvard. The coach there at the time, Bob Callahan, kind of knew me a little bit. I met with him. He was a very warm, friendly uh, kind of father figure, cared so much about his players and the team. The Princeton squash team itself um, was just a good group of, of guys, um, very friendly. My official visit there went really well. And I like there was a really tight campus environment there. Just everything happens on campus. It's not in a big city where there's tons of, you know, other places. It's the social scene. Everything is kind of right on campus. So it's a it's a special community at mm-hmm. Princeton. Um, so those were the things that I think swayed me. Because at the time, mm-hmm. I did, really didn't know what I wanted to study. Mm-hmm. And I can see you being drawn to like a, a kind of smaller, more intimate environment as well. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. But, um, so I, from from my research, I mean, you continued to achieve an incredible amount of success. I'm going to read a few now just because you probably won't say them. <laughs> um, but became the first American ever to win a collegiate softball championship in 2011 uh, you get gained awards like the Ivy League Player of the Year, First Team All-America and All-Ivy League Honours, 
Um, you're a recipient of the Skillman Award, which is uh, an award given annually to a senior men's squash player who has demonstrated outstanding sportsmanship during their entire college career, uh, as well as the Roper Trophy, which goes to the top male senior student athlete. So um, you achieved an incredible amount at Princeton. And, and there, was, there was a lovely quote at the end, actually, uh, from, I don't know who from, but from Princeton. It said, he has en- enhanced the tradition of Princeton squash through both his skill and character, and he will stand among the program's all-time greats for generations to come. What's it like to hear that? Jeez, uh, actually, that, it's very flattering. <laughs> it's kind of, um, I had sort of forgotten. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's, it's you know, good and kind of strange and... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I had a great experience there. and um, But even there, even in college, I think I was kind of playing with too much pressure. But mm. looking back, I don't know if I would have... I really enjoyed it as much as I could mm. have and should have. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's... I think that's surprisingly common, you know, that um, particularly when you're in that sort of such achievement-orientated mindset that it's always the next thing, you know, like you, you, you very rarely take the time to stop and like, you know, just give yourself a little pat on the back or, or it's like, Oh, that was really good, you know? And, and, and maybe you haven't even done that till now, but um, I think, I think it's important, you know, to, to like uh, congratulate ourselves and and to, to save, I think it's okay, you know, to savor the moment a little bit. And I also think um, it's just more of a reason to, just enjoy what's going on right now and enjoy the process because at the end of the day, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. Even now, I mean, you win a pro tournament, uh, you know, a 10 K a 15 K or whatever. And, you know, great. But two weeks later you're playing in another event and no one cares anymore. Like Mm -hmm. the process never stops. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're, I think one of the best in the world and you're winning, you know, world series and stuff. Great. And there's another one, you know, in a few weeks or a month or whatever, and you have to do the whole thing over again. So I think this, I don't know, kind of, I mean, if you're playing only for the accolades and everything, then I think you you run into problems because I think that, I think that will burn out. You really need Mm. to kind of just enjoy the process of playing and improving and perfecting your craft. And I think that's the secret. Mm. So, um, I mean, the enormous amount of accolades and, and, and Princeton's clearly very proud of you. But um, how did you really feel and experience uni life? Like, what what would you what would you tell us about that? Well, it was um, it was good. I mean, I was uh, I kind of got swept up by the squash program um, right away. Obviously, I was recruited to play on the team. Um, and that was a big part of my experience there was the the squash team and I mean obviously massive time commitment I mean you know practice every day and the season was kind of long because it sort of transcended so the fall winter and into the spring so right when I arrived there'd be captain's practices and then the season didn't really end until you know well into March so you know it was good I looking back I do wish I had kind of been encouraged more or I wish I had at the time um, tried to branch out a little bit more 
sort of try to study a few different things, kind of study, you know, do things that maybe I'm not good at, but mm -hmm. just to kind of have that experience. And um, I think uh, I got kind of caught up in sort of squash being so much of who I was and my identity. And it just, you know, had to go well and had to keep this going. And um, it's funny. I mean, even all those awards that you listed and looking back it, you know, it was nice at the time, but you know, it's, it's funny how looking back, you really don't uh, care that much anymore. It's not a, it's just not that important. It's not sort of something that's worth, you know, too, I don't know, too much to, to us, I think. I mean, you kind of want to look back and just think, you know, I really enjoyed myself and I really like got a lot out of myself, learned like my limits and everything. And mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the more meaningful thing to me anyway. And the awards and stuff are, are secondary. Hmm. Yeah. And, and do you think that's, um, do you think that's a culture that's, well, I think it's very prevalent in the States, but do you, do you think that's a culture that that's very much what we're kind of conditioned to believe and, and only really experience for ourselves. Like, um, what the culture of, uh, you know, getting like, the accolades yeah, like and the stuff results or... and the accolades, you know, um, I mm -hmm. don't know if this is a reflection, but I had a little giggle to myself when like I saw all of these, these amazing awards. And then <laughs> there was just like one line at the bottom that was just like, <laughs> what was it? Like, Todd, uh, has two sisters. Uh, his mum and dad. <laughs> his mum and dad play squash, and, and and that was literally it. You know, it's it actually like he has yeah, a life outside yeah, of this. Yeah, you know? yeah. Do you do you think that's that's a, a reflection of the the culture, or uh, or maybe a little bit to do with um, the fact that, that there wasn't much else to write at the time? Yeah, you because know, you hadn't discovered that. Well, I don't, I maybe need to be tactful in what I say, yeah, um, but yeah, I would say I do think it's, um, I do think it's part of the culture. I think, you know, for me, that was the idea that was instilled in me and that culture was uh, kind of embedded in me. And um, it's funny though, that you, since I arrived here, I kind of, I mean, I, I wanted to get away from all of that so desperately and... Um, when I came here, it was, it was a new start and a fresh, um, a, a new beginning for me. And I always wanted to kind of, there were some things I always wanted to do and just had never done, like didn't do them in uni, didn't do them before. And it was great. So this summer I, I said, you know what, the season's over. I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to do some things that mm. I've just always wanted to do and you know now is as good as time as any if you wait till the time is perfect to do everything you know the saying you're, you're never going to do anything yeah. so and your your feelings about it will probably have changed by then as exactly well, right? so I took an improv acting class kind of because it was something that I thought I'd be terrible at and but I also just wanted to meet new people in Bristol, people that weren't in my squash world and didn't know any of that. And just to kind of see me as just a, um, just kind of like a random, just kind of thrown in just like at anyone else and just a blank slate, you know, trying mm -hmm. to, you know, do 
improv. Mm. And there's and, no um, kind of labels attached to it either. It's just like, that's Todd the person rather than that's Todd the squash player who's done blah, blah, blah and has such and such, right? Yeah, yeah, well that. And, um, and also just, you know, to try something new. And it was kind of a chance to practice my new mindset of, mm. you know, this is the, the growth mindset. I'm going to try something new and... Obviously, of course, I'm going to fail. There's a good chance I'm going to be horrible at, at this. Um, and I wasn't as bad as I thought I'd be. Um, Which is often the case. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much fun. And I loved it. It was three hours a week. And I was showing up to class. And it was like the highlight of my week. And um, Really? Yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it, it was great. Just kind of being thrown on stage with, you know, your scene partner and, you know, someone just kind of saying something like, you know, balloons or whatever. And, you know, you kind of have to go and you have to kind of cooperate with each other and support each other and then, and make a, you know, scene and make this work. And it was so much fun. So. And, and so what, what impact did that have on you as a person and, and also your squash? Well, it had a huge impact. Um, I you know I liked it because it's the type of thing that, uh, you know, people at home, I don't think would really encourage, but Hadrian was so, um, so, I mean, it was my decision. I went and said, this is what I'm doing, but he was so supportive and, um, you know, just kind of throwing yourself in different scenarios, meeting different kinds of people. I mean, the characters that, you know, were in this class were just so diverse and, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was so much fun. We had this one girl that came in completely punked out. Her name was Scary. Um, (laughs) Different color hair every week. You know, mohawk, different styles. And, um, you know, very, like, free spirit and funny. And, you know, then there's kind of me up there. And very sort of, I don't know, different, you know, upbringing or whatever. Different, um, just different. But I think the more you throw yourself into different scenarios and kind of see how you do and sort of try and fail and then succeed and uh, just the more confidence you have in yourself. And definitely squash wise, it was practice in, you know, letting my mind go, not judging uh, or scrutinizing myself at all, just kind of being in the moment, going with the flow, mm-hmm. being free flowing and just kind of totally in, in the moment. In improv, you cannot think because it's just too slow. You have to just be in the moment. And if you say something and it's not funny or whatever, well, it doesn't really matter because it's a new moment now and yeah, someone else has said something. Thing, yeah. You need to keep up with the group. And and so it's all just, it has to kind of just fall right out of you. Mm. And that's a bit more is what I'm trying to get into that mode in my mm. squash game as well. Of yeah. just being out there and kind of playing freely, just whatever comes to me, just kind of hitting that shot. Just, you know, I think my abilities are there and just have my squash flow right out of me instead of, you know, thinking so much about technique and perfection and maintaining, uh, you know, the reputation or whatever. I have to do this and I, I don't have to do anything. And it was a good really good exercise for me to just let go and it's great yeah i I think i think there are just so many benefits to to doing something like that and um 
I've got a few thoughts that I'm going to just try and get out. So the first one is, I think when, when you're, when you're in that mindset of like, I'm an athlete or um, let's just say squash, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to justify, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's any correlation. And, um, and I, I think this is something that, that is really important to like to encourage and embrace as, um, as, as an athlete, because the, as you said, the more you can expose yourself to these different situations and challenging environments, the more you're going to grow as a person. Yeah. And, and the more you grow as a person, the better you're going to be at, at your craft. You know, it's just a fact. And, and, and I think the second thing is it's good to like to do something that you're not good at or like start from the beginning again. Cause like if you're, if you're playing twice a day every day and, and this is your profession, it's very easy to like take that for granted. Yeah. And I think there are like, there are just enormous amounts of benefits to doing that and, and just investing time in, in your, in your own kind of personal growth. And, uh, and it keeps, it keeps things fresh too. Yeah. It keeps things fresh and exciting. And you know, that normal routine of, you know, training and, you know, two court sessions a day and then in the gym and you have your program and getting through it, it can get kind of redundant and mm. monotonous. And I mean, I don't know, maybe some people it's, it's enough to thrill them or mm. whatever, but I think you need to find ways to keep it fresh and exciting. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fear thing as well. You know, it's like, um, mm. it's like a fear that, um, if I do something like slightly out of the norm and, and I think rest kind of comes into that category, you know, like we're a little bit where it's easy to be afraid of, you know, or I'm going to rest, you know, cause there's a lot of, um, I think just kind of stigmas, you know, and it's like, um, you know, when you're resting, someone else is training and, and like all these kind of, you know, there, there's so many that yeah. like come to mind that like make it so hard for you to just go, actually, I'm going to rest today or actually I'm going to go um, do improv or, or take photos or whatever. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so. Yeah, totally. And I definitely came from that kind of mindset mm -hmm. and I yeah, me had those opinions and everything and you know training is hard work and it is hmm. it still is now it, i mean that was never going to go away but um it's uh, you know this is the formula and you got to put your hours in and it's you know these two court sessions and everything and you know for me it just it wasn't sustainable it was hmm. never going to be sustainable for me and the way i am and it was always going to crack at some point. And I love it here. And I just, I had a conversation with, you know, Hadrian the other day. We were kind of after our session and we were sort of, because I'm about to go away and play in some tournaments. And we were reflecting on basically how how far I've come since I've arrived and and different things. And he said, you know, the reality is, is yeah, you you could come here and it could be a different kind of place. I could be a different kind of coach. And you could have had that mindset of, you know, ticking these boxes and, you know, I'm just going to get really good at the basics again. Mm -hmm. And you can always get fitter and stronger and faster and work really hard at those things in a very one dimensional way. And basically just go out on tour and try to outbore people to death mm -hmm. with um, kind of that basic uh game and instead you know you've chosen a different path as he told me which was sort of influenced by him of 
kind of being more free, being more creative, um, enjoying the process and kind of, you know, when you're done looking back and thinking, you know, yeah, I really, this was the, the style that I always wanted. This was the mm -hmm. game and the creative player that I really aspired to be. And yeah. I really went for it. And, you know, Free I stuck with this phil philosophy and I, and I tried these things and I, you know, stayed, I, you know, committed myself to that and, you know, tried different things when I needed to. And, um, and that I think looking back, I never regret. I can see myself, you know, 10 years from now <clears throat> looking back and thinking, yeah, you know, I kind of grinded it out, worked really hard in the gym, you know, did these things, did tons of rotating rails, did tons of drop drive. And, you know, I kind of grinded out people and, you know, whatever rankings it was and reached this number, which is satisfactory, whatever, check, kind of check that box. Um, but I think I would, re I would really regret that. I mm -hmm. think this new way that we're kind of being more complete, being more creative, being kind of a better all-around athlete and all-around person mm. is um, is is much better. And I don't think I'd, I'd ever regret it, regardless mm. of you know whatever the end result may be. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 trying to understand that you know the larger game is life, right? You know? mm. And uh, and 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 squash is just. Uh, or whatever your craft is, is just a vehicle to kind of greater understand the larger game. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and the final kind of closing thought on this, because I feel like we could talk about this all night. Is, um, I think when you, when you have the, the courage to, um, to do these kind of things like you've done, when you do get to the end of your career, you've, you've got such a far better idea of what you like and don't like and want to do when you're finished. And I think that's, that's one of the kind of the, the real shames and, and challenges of retiring athletes uh, or any high achieving um, people is they really struggle when they retire because so much of their identity has been based on the thing that they're good at and they've not made the time to explore these other things. Yeah. Um. so I, and and I can really appreciate that this is not an easy thing to do. So um, so what what advice would you have for somebody that um that maybe doesn't know what they want to do? Like they can see the benefit of trying something different, but may, yeah, what what advice would you give to them? Or, or was there any kind of steps that you took? Because I know it wasn't an easy decision for you either. No, and for me, it kind of came later than I wish it had. You know, I don't know, to each their own, and um, it's it, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I would just say, relax, you're going to be fine. You know, whatever decision you make, kind of commit yourself to it, be open-minded, get the most out of it, and, you know, just get to know yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think the enjoyment factor is... Uh, is what's most important. I mm. think, uh, for me, I'll never have a career that I, I mean, what, what you said, I think you're totally right about athletes struggling, um, when they're retired from their sport with, mm. well, kind of, what do I do with myself now? That's everything it was. I, I don't think that's going to happen to me because, uh, I have lots of interests and there's mm. lots of things that I want to do. To be mm. honest, there are times when I'm even kind of look forward to mm. my life after squash and I sort of, think about what uh what career i have and what mm. i want to do but yeah i say i think it's important to travel if you can 
And when you travel, try and kind of see the underside of the city or whatever place that you are, that you are in. Uh, try and live life like the locals do. Going to Paris and, you know, getting a selfie with the Eiffel, you know, um, <laughs> doesn't count. Because um, right. more and more, I think that people that travel are just more open-minded than people who don't travel. Uh, I just think they're less judgmental, more open, and um, have the experiences to just relate to anybody. Hmm. I, I think it's just a mindset, right? Because you can you can travel and, and you can do these things, but I think just kind of trying to adopt the growth mindset, you know, as we were talking about, um, which I think to maybe simplify it is just that you, you're focusing on your growth. And I think a lot of that stems around an attitude around failure and and failure being a good thing, you know, a yeah. path to improvement. Um, so that, that that's, that's maybe one thing that I would say is, um, you know, for someone that's wanting to explore their own interests, which they, they might not have taken the time to do is just do something, you know, try different things. And if you have, I think if you've cultivated that mindset of, even if I don't like this or it doesn't work, I now know what I don't like. Yeah, and that's one okay. more, and that's yeah. one more thing that I know I don't like than I did before, right? Yeah. And, and and you just just keep taking steps that is only going to lead to greater self understanding and and probably more appreciation of what you have. Yeah. Okay. So rewind a little bit. Uh, 2012, the CSA, which is I guess College Squash Association, yeah, College Squash Association that's <laughs> Team it. Championships at Princeton. Mm. You've beaten Trinity who were unbeaten for 13 years. Take us to that day, or uh, or even the week leading up to it. What's going through your mind? Um, you know, I think for me, I think the size of the situation didn't uh, really dawn upon me until kind of after it was over, <laughs> after the fact, and I thought, oh my gosh, well, this is really cool. But uh, it was, uh, so the event was being held at Princeton, yeah, which was huge. And we went in, I think, as either the number three or the number four seed. And the matches are played in shifts. So it's, um, uh, you have nine, there's nine matches. Mm. So obviously the winning team would win at least five. And I remember uh, I played number one on the team and going into the last shift, uh, there's three courts, so three shifts of matches. And going into the final shift, um, basically we had to win our final three mm. matches to yeah. win the match. Yeah. Um, they just needed one we more We were to down win. two yeah. to four or whatever yeah. it was, and they just needed one. Mm. I remember being in the locker room with my teammates, which I think at the time, I think were Dylan Ward right. um, and Kelly Shannon. I haven't talked to these guys in quite a while. We need to catch up. Um, yeah, shout out to them. Yeah, and we Fairness we were sitting together in the locker room and saying, you know, we need to go out there and this is, um, uh, you know, this is coming down to us. I was trying to kind of shelter myself from those thoughts as much as I could. Okay. And, you know, we went out and, <laughs> and, and we won. We all won. I think I won, oh, geez, was it 3-love or 3-1? And then... Dylan won his match in a close one, and then Kelly Shan won his. And it was just complete, like, pandemonium. Mm. It was huge celebration. Our coach, Bob Callahan, was in tears. Yeah. So it was really at that moment when then I kind of realized how big this was to him. Mm. 
and to us. And, you know, I miss being a part of a team like that. That is the one thing I miss. The pro squash tour is great. And I love it in a lot of ways. And traveling is, um, you know, I've seen lots of places I wouldn't see otherwise. But winning the team nationals it was so much better than winning the individuals, which I did the year before. Because right. then you just, um, I mean, just had the whole team to share it with. Yeah. I, we were all so excited and celebrating for, you know weeks afterwards and um hmm. so yeah one of my uh one of my good memories sure so you um you decide to join the tour shortly after that talk, talk about like the early stages of tour life for you what was it like uh very difficult hmm. actually uh very very difficult you know if i'm being perfectly honest i uh i kind of wasn't sure that i you know wanted to go pro at the time it was um but, you know, there was a lot of support. Uh, the U.S. Squash Association, you know, we're lucky in America to have a really supportive governing body because other countries don't. And so they were, um, you know, in conversations with me about providing, you know, funding and different things that I needed. And um, at the same time, uh, you know, neither of us kind of knew exactly really how to, you know, be a great professional squash player and what was needed and kind of my first thought was more, you know, I need a coach and where do I right. go to train? And my whole life up till that point had been, there was always a system for me to follow. Yeah. Um, in college, it was very much like, these are your practices. This is the plan for practice. This is the match thing. Mm. And then all of a sudden on the pro tour, it was like, I, I had the support in some, in, you know, a lot of ways from the association and, and things, but, um, but also it was up to me to make a lot of decisions that mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to make. Sure. And, um, at the time Peter Nickel, uh, was coming to the States and he, you know, said he wanted to work with me and everything. So that was exciting, but then he, you know, really didn't have any time and right. wasn't, was busy doing his other things. And so I quickly realized, you know, so that kind of fell through. And right. then I saw David Palmer down in Florida, which was great. And I'm thankful for that time. And then, you know, left and, you know, I saw Dave Pearson and I was kind of seeing different coaches and ended up kind of selling back in Philly a bit and just kind of working with Scott DeBoy. And so it took me a while to kind of have confidence in myself and just mm -hmm. to make... Um, kind of my own decisions and have my own opinions about what I need to do and how I'm going to get better. And mm. really that came actually probably when I moved here mm -hmm. um, a year ago. Is um, there a, is there like a worst moment that springs to mind during that, that phase? You know, it was the first time, really probably the first time in my life that I was just losing so much. And, uh, you know, there I was, you know, in college I had been, such a good player and you know and, until you know Ali Farag then came later on and Ramit Tandon and uh, those guys beat me and stuff but it was you know showing up to tournaments and I mean I was just I was losing all the time and that uh I did kind of go through that moment of geez you know there's actually a lot of people in the world that are a lot better at this than I am and you know, so people talk about kind of having those identity crises or whatever, like, mm. geez, well, what do I do now? What makes me special now? And this is terrible. And I, you know, 
want to quit and everything, but I don't really. And, but you know, sometimes when I do, and I was taking losses so hard and they were happening left, right and center. So, um, uh, so those, I had a lot of tough times really. What were kind of like the steps that you took and, and the lessons that you learned that enabled you to take those steps? Well, I don't think I handled those times really well in the beginning, but I realized after a while that uh, I needed to change. Um, I needed to change my attitude. I needed to kind of get out of Philadelphia, even just kind of get away from that whole vibe. Every people, all the people that were around me, the club, the even, you know, my family to a certain extent, even just kind of getting away and being on my own. And I did get into sports psychology mm-hmm. and start seeing a few different uh, sports psychologists. I had, you know, meetings and sessions and stuff with a couple um, to kind of help me with this because I was miserable, like losing so much and mm-hmm. then taking these losses so hard. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it took time and it was a lot of struggling. And I think I'm still getting there. But now mm-hmm. I kind of have a different view on failure. Um, I think failure isn't really failure anymore and I think with the mindset that I have now and my goals and this kind of new path that I've committed to you know there's just not much emphasis uh on the results really Mm. of the matches the emphasis is just on improving every single day just Mm -hmm. constantly improving getting the next step and I'm still getting there now to that Mm. mindset I still have moments where I go back to the old way but I'm getting better and better as time goes on. It's interesting. I think in moments of of crisis or the most challenging times, it kind of forces you to ask the most important questions. And I think that's when you really start to, or at least when I did, and and it seems like you did, is you start going inward for answers as well. And and maybe that's supported by a psychologist, as you said. But um, talk, talk about the inner game then. What does that mean for you? And uh, and how has how has it impacted you? Well, I think the inner game is for me now has become just getting the most out of myself, and you know, really for the first time, I'm kind of looking forward to this season, right? And seeing how far I can go and what I can get out of myself. Uh, you know, this one psychologist that I you know the sports psychologist who I went to see. And I remember him telling me, and it's a, that really kind of stuck out. He said, you know, the best athletes, and I mean, you should be waking up in the morning and saying, I can't wait to play my match at, you know, 6 p.m. tonight. I'm mm. just so excited to see what I can do. And I've never once felt that right. or hadn't felt it in like mm. years and years and years. Um, that had just kind of just been bred out of me, I I thought, and I thought, geez, well, there's a lot of work to do to get me to that stage. Um, and I think I'm closer there now than I ever was before. So I think the inner game to me is just kind of improvement, being completely in the moment, not letting my mind get distracted by, you know, results or other people or anything like that, and just kind of staying committed to uh, the purpose of why I'm playing, which is just to be mm-hmm. the best that I can possibly be. And every time I go out on court, it's just another opportunity to get that much closer and to demonstrate uh, 
you know, the best I can do. And I think with that mindset and with that goal, kind of winning that inner game that I have with myself is 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 the most important thing now. And I agree it being the most important thing. But why why do you think it's so untalked about and 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 so still quite yeah like why 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 is it so uh, ambiguous? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't understand it. And, you know, to be fair, I don't think I understand it until I had kind of gone through the ringer. You know, it's funny that you say that. I kind of, uh, sometimes when I go back home and sort of these voices or, you know, the club or different people from my upbringing or whatever, and I I kind of harbor a little bit of animosity towards, uh, I don't know, maybe the environment and just that I felt kind of strangled me a little bit and just didn't have the right view on kind of the meaning of failure, the meaning of success, uh, what's the most important things. But, you know, I think you kind of have to go through it a little bit to to really understand it. And it's so easy to say that you do. And even now mm. I can say that I do, um, whether I really do or not, uh, I think is um, a little bit more ambiguous. I think sometimes mm. I do and sometimes I fall back to the old way. But, you know, certain people do. I think the people that, I mean, certainly skilled sports psychologists and stuff, this is the idea that they're kind of driving home mm-hmm. to all their clients that come to them. Certainly it's Hadrian Stiff's way. And, um, and Beth Bond, the trainer, she's always kind of reinforcing this idea. And whenever kind of my head kind of starts to wander off to you know the wrong thoughts and everything to kind of try and bring it back and focus on really the purpose of really why am I playing this sport to be the best that I can be Mm -hmm. all these other voices and cultures are irrelevant Mm -hmm. and um you know and it's it's hard for me to kind of play in the states sometimes I've you know played in Philadelphia kind of never really gone well it's had you know getting into that zone Mm -hmm. is harder for me there so so let's let's talk about that a little bit. So the the tournament of champions uh it's 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 an incredible event in in Grand Central Station in New York. Um you've you've had the wild card since uh, 2013, I believe, playing in your home country. Played you played Mohamed Shabaki twice, you know, both being the number 1 seed. <laughs> what what is that like? Um, yeah, I keep getting repeats actually. I played Shabaki twice and then I played Ferris Dasuki yeah. twice. Twice was it as well. So, wow. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's great. It's such a creative way. I think John Nimick does a great job with that event. I'm so thankful um, that, you know, he's kind of, I mean, it's his choice that he has given me the wild card, uh, you know, these all these years. And it's such a great way of bringing squash to the public. Mm. It's in an open venue. It's so there's people walking by the front wall. They're just, you know, going into Grand Central Station, catching their trains, catching their transportation, and they get to see squash and they stop and watch. And it's, it's so funny actually kind of going and watching even for players and stuff to be incognito a little bit, Mm. just watching through the front wall. And then you see strangers walking by. Oh, what's that? Mm. Oh, geez, it's squash. That's amazing. And then they stay for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and watch. And, you know, that's mm. really cool. How do I get tickets? And mm. um, the scale of it is um, big, too, just like a big arena. And um, 
you know, to be honest, I think uh, it has gotten the best of me um, every year. Really? Kind of. Well, you know, it's hard because you go and play in lots of tournaments. I mean, you know a lot of the mm. events that we play and you're playing in a 10K, a 15K, whatever. And sometimes it's you're in the middle of nowhere and there's mm. a man and a dog watching. And we're also playing on normal panel courts. Mm-hmm. And then so then you go there. It's really busy. You only get 20 minutes to practice two days before another 20 minutes or just the day before and then the day of another 20 minutes or whatever. And and then you're on court on a four wall glass court. Visibility is a bit different. Ball bounce is a bit different. Bright lights and a huge massive crowd. Yeah. And it's just a new situation. And there's lots of these factors that are dealing with and you have mm-hmm. to kind of block all that out and say no yeah. this is a squash court the same dimensions and this is what i've been working on this is what i'm mm-hmm. gonna do and kind of the, i think i've been sort of over aroused or too excited by all the energy mm-hmm. so you know some uh, you know played okay it's gone okay um i'm kind of looking forward to having another go and seeing if i can kind of just how I respond and how I can uh, perform in that mm. environment. That's that's so interesting to hear because for me and and I can imagine a lot of people that that environment in your situation would be one of the most terrifying things or like the hardest time. Yeah. So how how do you put those blinders on and and because this is this is relative to everyone in in the position you know whether it's a you know a club player playing at their home club you know when everyone's watching you know you still feel that same sense of nerves and right. um whatever those kind of feelings are for you um yeah how do you put those blinders on has it has it changed you know like you know when you first played that first match in 2013 to when you go and play it now yeah and just t- t- talk, talk to us about that because to me it's there's a huge amount of pressure there yeah, and, uh, and and a huge amount of stimulus and, and yeah well I, I think it's that is sort of the part of the game that also is difficult for me i think maybe a little bit more difficult than it is for some other players because i do have a really chatty active mind mm. and i'm always thinking about something it kind of the the chatter sort of never goes away but um i think uh really the best way uh to deal with it is actually just to kind of accept it and welcome it and not okay. fight it so much. Um, I think I've fallen into that trap so many times before. And, you know, now I think what I'm trying to do more is go out there and you just kind of accept it and be okay with it. And you go out there, big lights, big crowd, and you think, okay, yes, there's more pressure here. Mm-hmm. There's commentators, there's TV screens, there's, you know, everyone from, you know, US squash and different people and friends mm-hmm. and family that have come or whatever, but that's okay. It's there. And I'm a bit more anxious and nervous here than I would be at a different event. Mm-hmm. But sort of let's see uh, how I can do with all that there. So mm-hmm. it's there and I know, and I'm not going to fight it or resist it or whatever, just mm-hmm. kind of accept it and say, okay, yes, it's there. I accept it. Now let's use this as kind of a, like a time to, um, to see how well I can cope with this and do my game and kind of impose my game plan and play free and fluid and not be stiff and nervous 
you know, with all this there. Mm -hmm. And with that mindset of just kind of accepting it and even relishing the opportunity, a great opportunity to see how well I can play this game Mm -hmm. with all these factors. And that, just that mindset alone helps. Yeah, it's amazing the change that it makes as well, right? Or, Mm -hmm. Or the difference in in your physiology by saying like, I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity. Um, like this totally. is awesome. Yeah. That gratefulness to, uh, is such to, a uh, shit. Like all of this is going on. Like I need to perform, you know, and, and there, there may be like the same intensity, but one is like, is, is an excitement. And another, another one is nerves. You know, like we, I spoke with, uh, with Vicky last, she was on the last interview and she said, uh, there's no difference, you know, um, between excitement and nerves. It's just your, uh, just your mindset around it. Just the appraisal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, so where does, where does pressure come from then for you? You know, I think for a long time growing up, I was sort of playing for my life in a way like squash was just a part of my identity mm-hmm. and this is what I'm known for. This is what I'm good at. And this has to go well at all costs. I have to, you know, win in order to keep this up and Mm -hmm. running. But even, I don't know, kind of the ideas of like, oh, maybe I'm, you know, not as, I mean, the reality is, I mean, certainly in Philadelphia and, you know, other places, I mean, people do treat you differently, you know, as Mm. opposed to whether, you know, whether you win or lose, it does happen, you know, it happens all the time. But I think the more experiences you have, the more kind of growth and maturity and kind of the more you evolve, the more you, um, your concept of yourself isn't tied to other people's opinions and perceptions. And, uh, you know, I mean, less and less now I'm kind of looking to other people for validation. Mm. And actually now I, you kind of notice after a while, like as soon as I need to ask someone else if... I'm good at this or if this is the right thing Mm. or I feel like I'm already my head's in the wrong place. Sure. And so I use that even as an kind of a little cue, like, no, actually you've lost your way again. Like come back to center, remember your purpose, your values and why you're doing this. So, you know, I don't know. On the other hand, the pressure never really goes away. Mm. I mean, pressure is there and obviously it's not just athletes. I mean, Mm. (laughs) everyone has pressure and, I mean, as the kind they say, everyone has their own Olympics, right? Like whether yeah. you're, um, you know, an athlete or you're, you know, whatever career uh, you have, there's pressure in everything we do, and it's a good skill to learn how to deal with it. Awesome. So let's let's uh, talk about your inner game a little bit, and uh, so just a few more, a few kind of quick hits now. Um, so is there, is there something that you say to yourself or like this, you know, this inner critic or inner dialogue that you were talking about that you're ready to drop, but you haven't quite figured out how to yet? Is there anything that I say? Yeah, to... just, yeah, your inner dialogue or critic or... Well, I'm kind of trying to figure that out, actually. It's still always there. I'm very self-critical. Mm. I'm very kind of scrutinizing things, but I just... I guess more and more the cue is I I try and say to myself, you know, perfection doesn't exist. And, um, and, you know, if something's not going well, or, you know, I've been working on this for ages, and, you know, it's still too, it's still all choppy and doesn't flow, and it still doesn't good. And, and I just think, um, you know, okay, just accept it and be okay with it. And just, it's an opportunity to kind of see how well it can function even when you are feeling this way so yeah that's what i would say sure 
Um, of all the mental skills, so grit, determination, present moment awareness, focus, emotional control, those kind of things, uh, what do you believe is the most important? Mm. Well, I would say all those import are important. Maybe I'd go with emotional control. I you think can it's think of your new to, one as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's important to kind of be able to view your emotions sort of as a third person or whatever, and mm-hmm. just not attach to them too much. Cause obviously things on court are, are going to happen. Bad calls, someone's blocking, someone says something and you're going to have a, like a, an emotional response to that. You're mm-hmm. going to get upset. You're going to get distracted and being able to just kind of let that go. I think is, is big. Sure. So what's, um, and like, what's something that somebody can do today to, to focus on that or, or improve that? Actually, I'm going to quote him. One I worked with, I did a few sessions with, um, uh, there's a sports psychologist, Mitch Green back in Philly, who was fantastic. And we, he taught me the six second rule. So if something happens, you kind of give yourself six seconds to have that response, to be upset. And then when the six seconds is over, okay, well, that time is over, done. Now it's a new moment. You're back to the center. You had that time. It's over. Here we are again. And it's kind of cool how effective that is. Just kind of having those six seconds, which is long enough, but it's not very Mm. long. It's over, move on, done. Yeah, I like that. I think think it's just any kind of cue that takes you out of that emotion right mm. you know, so it's it's just a something that you can do that gives yourself enough space to say there is an emotion happening in me rather than you're so identified with the emotion that it continues to to, yeah, to carry on to brew yeah and um, kind of sweep you away mm. so I, th- I think that 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 awareness is, is is crucial so so what motivates you you know really just to to be the best that I can be now. You know, when it's all over and said and done, I want to be able to look back and think, one, I really enjoyed that. I desperately want that. Because I think looking back at, you know, a lot of the achievements and stuff that, you know, in college or whatever it was, I kind of look back and think, um, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I would have done it differently. I didn't really kind of enjoy my... So I want to think I, uh, I enjoyed it. And also just... I want to feel that I reached my potential, that I Mm. really got as far as I could go. I, you know, really developed as an athlete as much as I could. I, you know, became faster, more explosive, more flowy, more creative, more skillful, and just kind of being the best that I can be. And, you know, whether that's world number one, world number eight, world number 38 or Mm. whatever it is it's really that feeling that motivates me great um i mean we've we've mentioned a couple of memorable moments but uh but is there a moment or period in your squash career that gives you the most joy to think about you know it is always a special feeling representing your country Mm. so i've been very fortunate to be able to play for the United States of America in different events and stuff. We had the Pan American Games in Toronto a few summers ago. They're they're happening again in France um, in a few months. And, you know, I remember one time in Germany when we were playing, I was still a university student and um, we were kind of in the back draw, I think, or maybe playing for, I don't even remember, seventh or eighth or whatever it was. Um, 
but I had a big win against Canada in the deciding match. And, um, and it was just, uh, I, I kind of, I played really well and the teammates were, were there supporting me and, you know, I came off the court and everyone's all excited, you know, mm-hmm. great match, big win, it's over. And that's a moment that stands out to me, but, you know, of course I'm hoping that the best moments are yet to come. Yeah. So on that subject, what, what is, what is the next step for you? Well, you know, now I'm just kind of looking forward to, um, you know, carrying on and kind of developing further and, you know, kind of getting closer and closer to that stage where I'm really enjoying my squash to its fullest and I'm waking up in the morning and, you know, I can't wait to play my match and see what I can do whether it goes well or poorly or things aren't working or things when it's kind of not bothering me and um, I'm about to go on tour now. So it's, uh, I mean, you know, of course we can talk about, you know, kind of rankings or whatever. I'm sort of about 50 in the world now. Of course, you kind of think about, you know, we think in tens sort of, well, I want to be top 40 and then I want to be top 30. But Again, it's funny because I've actually kind of stagnated a bit. I've been ranked around 50 for like a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. and um, But I also feel like I've actually gotten much better and I'm mm-hmm. playing much better squash in a lot of ways. The results sort of haven't come yet or I haven't um, been able to kind of put it all together in a mm-hmm. tournament situation yet. But I feel like I'm on the right path yeah. and I'm really just looking forward to, you know, continuing. Awesome. Okay. So a few quick hits now. So okay. sharp answers. Okay. Is is there anything that you wish people asked you more? <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can like take your time, you know, like, uh, you kind of, um, just don't waffle. <laughs> a lot of the same things that you asked me, what motivates you? What do you like about Bristol? Why did you leave, um, you know, Philadelphia, those things. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, geez. Um, Ned Edwards, who people would know back home, uh, gave me a piece of advice a while ago. He said, um, I was struggling and uh, didn't know where to turn. And he just told me, you know, any player that's ever made it and been super successful did it in their own way. So other people can guide you, but you can never follow anyone else's path exactly. You need to have your own path that you're going to forge. Love it. What's a book that you'd recommend to our listeners? I think the inner game of tennis okay. uh, by Malcolm Gladwell is is fantastic. I could go on forever about books, but we'll okay. leave with that. You have thirty minutes with anybody, dead or alive. Who would they be and why? Oh my gosh! Um, well, there's some like kind of good people and bad people that I'd like to interview. <laughs> I'd, um, I mean, of course, I'd love to interview like one kind of a big figure in America from way back when, like an Abraham Lincoln or a Thomas Jefferson or something like that would be like so cool just because they've had such a big impact on our society in America. And it would just be really interesting to just kind of pick their brain on ideas and know more about like their personalities, their intricacies and how they tick and everything. Um, I'd kind of like to, uh, I don't know, interview Trump just to sort of, is he actually just kind of as crazy as, um, I don't know. I just think it would be interesting. Um, 
Yeah, and then there's other there's players and stuff who I'd like to interview. Roger Federer, um, Nadal. I'd like to interview the top squash players as well. Ron Yashur. Well, hopefully you'll get a chance to listen to those anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so before we go on to the final questions, uh, I just want to thank you for for coming on, and and I want to acknowledge you as well uh, for for the the grace and humility that you have and that you carry yourself with for someone that has already achieved so much and uh, continues to have potentially a lot of external pressure so um yeah I really I really admire that in you well thanks so much for having me and I will also want to turn the tables here and at some point I want to interview you as well right because I have a whole chat like a big sort of stash of questions that I'd love to ask you and have that on record. So we will have to arrange that at some point. Today is like about me or whatever. And next time it's going to be about you. No, I'd love to be asked then. Appreciate yeah. it. So that's going to happen. We'll, we'll make it happen. Okay. So, uh, Oh, and, uh, and what's, what's the best way for, for people to connect with you? Um, how, how can they follow your journey and keep up to date with, what's going on with you well it's a long way coming i'm terrible with social media it's <laughs> just not my thing and i'm private and stuff so i'm a bit uh closed off in that way trying to get better uh with that so um have kind of more consistent updates and then i'm in the process of working on my website so i mean right now probably you know the psa world tour website also the u.s squash website is good at updating our results and things are happening um and then hopefully in the near future uh i'll have a form of my own where people can kind of know everything that i'm doing cool okay well so let's let's make a deal then that when you come back on to interview me you're going to have a website name to for people to follow and uh and maybe it surely you must have a social media handle that that people can follow now perfect yeah i'm just todd harity at todd harity at on todd Twitter. Harity. okay and so have a search around there well. if he's a little quiet then give him a <laughs> give it give him give him a chance <laughs> he's working on it um okay so final questions they just keep coming. It's like yeah. final question, final I know, question, yeah. final question. Well, yeah. I have so many. Is it for real I have, this I have time, so many. Or? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> What's the one thing you know to be true about success? I think real success um, is a very internal thing and only you can know it. And what's the one thing you know to be true about failure? That failure is an important step to succeeding. I think anyone that's been successful, whether you know it or not, has worked very hard and has been through a lot of failures. So the stigma around it needs to be changed. And um, I think if you have your vision and your goals and you're 100% committed uh, to those and your endeavors, then there's no such thing as failure. Right. And when you think of success... Who is the first person that comes to mind? Jeez, these are difficult questions. <laughs> My favorite athlete's Roger Federer. I think he's been very successful, not because of his results, but because I think he genuinely enjoys himself out there. Um, I think he very much enjoys the process, and I think he is just trying to be the best that he can be. 
So I think that's success. But also just people that you meet anywhere that are just really comfortable and content and kind of confident in themselves and their own skin, kind of know who they are, know what they want to get out of life and, you know, kind of have their friends and their relationships that are, you know, not fake, but are, you know, meaningful and stuff. Um, I think that's really successful as well. Awesome. Todd, thank you. And uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. And I hope it's been of, of, of some value uh, and insight. Um, if, if, the, if you're enjoying these conversations, then, then please subscribe to, uh, on iTunes or, or, or via the website um, and, and share it with a friend. Uh, that, that's the best way that this is going to grow um, is, is word of mouth and sharing this with people that you think this will be uh, of benefit and insight too. Also, if there's something about the conversation that you want to know more about, or you have any questions, please connect with myself and Todd. Um, my website is tomfordsquash.com. My social medias are at tomfordsquash. Um, you can find Todd at Todd Harity. Uh, maybe if you start asking him some questions, that can get him in the in the mood of of being more active on social media. But uh, but yeah, anyway, thanks, guys. <laughs>